Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. What would you do to heal your child? The answer is probably everything. Our next guest has written a new book called The Long Ride Home, The Extraordinary Journey of Healing That Changed a Child's Life. Author Rupert Isaacson, his wife Kristen, and their son Rowan went on a remarkable journey to find solutions to Rowan's autism. Out of this journey came what is known as the movement method practiced all over the world now. Here with us is Rupert Isaacson. Rupert, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me on. So, Rupert, before we get started talking about the movement method, tell us a little bit about the long ride home and how the movement method came out of this whole journey. Okay. Um, well, my son was diagnosed um, in uh, 2004 at the age of two, and I was getting all this negative information about autism, disorder, dysfunction, you know, what the kids can't do, etc. And I just thought, because I'm a journalist, there's got to be another 50% of the story. Where are the adult autists? Where are the successful adult autists? So I, I tracked one down. I um, wrote to Dr. Temple Grandin, who a lot of, a lot of uh, listeners will be familiar with, mm-hmm. and flew up to see her immediately and said, how does, how does somebody become you? Because she had started very, very severe. And she said, oh, it's simple. Follow the child, follow their interests, do everything outside in nature so there's no bad sensory triggers, and, um, and really let them move um, because... The brain needs a movement in order to learn. So I thought duly noted. And I noticed very quickly that almost all the behavioral therapists who were working with my kid did the exact opposite. They were trying to keep him in rooms. They were not following his interests. No matter how upset he got, they just got more rigid. So I fired them. And I decided to follow him. And I followed him outside initially into the woods because he just that's where he wanted to go. And then we began to communicate about different what we could eat and what we couldn't eat and then he found his way to my neighbor's horse Betsy I am a professional horse trainer so I started to ride with him as I started riding he became verbal in the saddle in front of me we he then became illiterate I began painting letters on trees having my friends um, in front of me splitting them up adding them subtracting them dividing them he got his basic numeracy all the stuff that um, his, his regular therapists were not able to get. And then we eventually did this extraordinary journey across Mongolia um, on horseback seeing shamans because I am a human rights worker as well as a journalist, and I'd had to bring a delegation of Bushmen hunter-gatherers to the United Nations that same year that Rome was diagnosed and met Betsy. Some of them were healers in their culture, um, decided to do some quote-unquote work on Rowan, got this extraordinary result. He really lost a lot of his more obsessive symptoms. So I wanted to go to a place that combined the horse and this type of healing, and that is Mongolia. At the end of that journey, we came back with a child that, of course, was still autistic, and I was not looking for a cure. I was very alive at this point to the gifts of autism, which I'll go into in a minute. But his three key dysfunctions, his incontinence, his tantruming, and his inability to make friends, um, he left behind him in Mongolia. And we, we were told by the last shaman, the shaman of the reindeer people up in Siberia, that we had to do three more journeys to fix, to confirm the healing. So the following year, we were in the Kalahari, where I know the guys personally, the guys who, who came to the United Nations. They, they worked on him, and what resulted was this ex- explosion in maths. The following year, um, this is all told in The Long Ride Home, I had to, work took me to uh, Australia, and I found a very good Aboriginal shaman. Um, and what came... After that was what, uh, what psychologists call theory of mind. And then finally on the Navajo reservation, um, that was where Rome became properly conversational. But by now we had realized 
by talking to a lot of neurologists, showing them what we were doing. My wife is a professor of developmental psychology at the University of Texas. We have access to a lot of scientists. They were identifying why it was working on the horse with Rowan. It was a certain neurological effect that we were getting by riding the horse in certain balances and rhythms. And um, it was opening up the learning receptors of the brain, filling his body with a feel-good and communication hormone, oxytocin. And so we realized, my gosh, if we can do this on a horse, surely we could get these same effects in play equipment and mm-hmm. um, on my shoulders and in a wheelbarrow and in a pool. And indeed, it turned out we could. And by then, of course, we were homeschooling. So we started teaching everything up that way. And this thing, movement method, was born. Um, we now collaborate with about seven universities worldwide um, to create curricula where we teach the whole K-12 academic curriculum, um, whether for special needs or general ed, kinetically outside in nature. And it's brilliant fun and it's so easy. Incredible. So I get how you came to the movement part and the horse and, and that. Mm. But the shaman, how did you know to, to go that route? Well, that's because of my, my family is African. I'm a white African, even mm-hmm. though I was born in England. All my family is from South Africa and Zimbabwe. And um, um, I have worked with hunting and gathering tribes as a human rights activist and journalist for many years. So um, I had to bring this delegation of Bushman hunter-gatherers to the United Nations in 2004. Some of those guys met my son did some work on him, got this extraordinary result. So that was why we decided to follow that, because it, was, it just flat out worked. We couldn't, really, we couldn't put our finger on why. It's irrational. The, the movement side of it's very rational. We know the brain science of that. But with shamanism, it's anybody's guess, but it did work. Wow. And how old is Rowan now? He's now 14, um, and he has his own web-based television show um, called EndangerousSafaris.com. If you write the word dangerous and put an en on the front of it and dangerous safaris.com you'll see he, he goes all over the world now um bears in transylvania orcas off the pacific northwest wolves in yellowstone tracking animals that are both endangered and dangerous and they're ecology pieces with tons of toilet humor wow. <laughs> and uh, oh. that go to the natural sciences and, and it, they're very funny and what brilliant. an incredible journey it, it is it's, it, it's very wonderful I, i'm always awed by him yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds like it. Rupert, I wanted to let you know that your world's greatest dad coffee mug is in the ma- mail, by the way, after <laughs> hearing this story. But <laughs> as far as the movement method, does it work for other conditions as well? And, and I just wanted to throw in, I used to work at a group home for severely emotionally disturbed adolescents. And the ones that were really traumatized and really shut down and didn't want to talk, I, I would always take them in the backyard and play either catch with the football or catch with the baseball. And that exactly. opened them you, you, up. There's you, something you've about identified the... it. Yeah. The, um, so um, it works for ADD, ADHD, anxiety, depression, PTSD, chronic fatigue, anything that is to do with the nervous system and the brain. Mm. The reason why um, it, autism is such a good bottom line and proving ground is because an autistic person is so authentic, they will never pretend that something is working mm. just to please you. That's it either works or it doesn't. So... Um, if it's going to work for autism, it's going to work across the board. So absolutely, we work with all those populations. And we, we now teach a lot of um, general ed um, for school districts and how to do kinetic learning and also how to set programs up at home. So there really isn't usually a need to medicate a child or anything like that. In fact, what you want to do is encourage them to run a little wild, because, um, but you want to do it creatively while feeding in information outside in nature. And by nature, I don't mean 
Mongolia or the other amazing places we travel to in the long ride home. But I'm talking about your backyard. I'm talking about Golden Gate Park. I'm talking about the beach, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. talking about the easily accessible bits of nature that you have. Because what it does, it doesn't just um, create oxytocin, which is, you know, the feel-good and communication hormone. Um, it also um, stimulates the cerebellum. Um, these certain types of moving and problem solving. It's basically rocking and balancing movements. The cerebellum um, causes the brain to produce um, Purkinje cells. Purkinje cells are the cells within the body that act as um, circuits in the brain that get the different parts of the brain to talk to them, um, to talk to each, each other properly. Right. That fires up the prefrontal cortex, then, which is emotional regulation, learning, planning, executive function, and then the, the inner ear, the vestibular system, which is um, uh, balance, but more importantly, attention. So suddenly the person is in the ideal position to receive information, but much more importantly to retain it. And then finally, these, these movements make your brain produce a protein called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is, is like a miracle growth for the brain. It makes your brain produce scads and scads and scads of neurons. So movement is everything. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense because we're hunting and gathering apes. There's a link here with dementia. Um, putting older people in old people parking is a very bad idea. You know, that they're, they're supposed to run after the grandkids, which keeps them physically fit and they're problem solving, teaching the kid this, you know, um, and uh, keeping him out of trouble, teaching him this, keeping him safe. Then you do it in French. Um, doing a round of golf and the crossword puzzle isn't going to have the same effect. So really our modern society has moved away from movement so much. However, and, and in No Child Left Behind, you know, the, the, the high schools um, got rid of almost all the recess and the PE, and our scores did not go up at all, whereas all the Scandinavian countries who increased all that and actually have almost halved classroom time still lead academically in the international rankings, and their kid, all their kids go on to graduate school. So it's very, very clear where the science is here. It makes tremendous sense. And we've also done something which I want to mention, you know, the fluorescent lighting and the way that classrooms are shaped are also antithetical to learning. Completely, because of sensory issues. So most of us have sensory issues. And of course, um, people on the spectrum have them more acutely than others. Um, Fluorescent strip lights are the worst and the worst known trigger because um, they uh, flicker at 60 times a second. And Mm. you and I um, tune that out. But some autistic kids in particular will see that and see that as like a strobe, and it, it can absolutely undo them. Um, also, industrial noise. I don't just mean jackhammers and chainsaws and tractors. I mean um, the hum of a refrigerator, yeah. um, the air conditioning, um, that sort of thing. And industrial cleaning solvents, those smells, um, echo. Yeah. So where do you get all of those things? Yeah, schools, supermarkets, airports. Yes. So where do you see the meltdowns? In those places. Yep, absolutely. But you can, you can redo those interior environments. So, for example, we show schools how to make over their classrooms very cheaply so that um, they get rid of those bad sensory triggers and then let the kids move, put in swings, put in balls, let the kids circulate um, through the room, through the course of the lesson, you're going to have a better result. So, Rupert, I just want to ask you before we wrap up, if we have a parent or someone on the line right now that's, uh, that's listening that has an autistic child, what is the most immediate thing that they can do to help? Okay, easy. Go to this website, kidsmustmove.com, kidsmustmove.com. We have our main kinetic learning um, course online there. You can do it really easily. Anyone can do it in about a day or a day and a half. Um, Do that course. It takes you through the 
the six steps of kinetic learning and the brain science showing you how to do stuff in your living room, how to do stuff in your backyard, how to do everything from basic communication right up to things like statistics and higher math, you know, wherever the cognitive level of the kid is. It's so easy. You do not need to be spending tens of thousands on behavioral therapy. Um, do what the autistic kids and ADD kids are showing us works. Um, so kidsmustmove.com, download that um, home stu- that, that, that free home study course. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Rupert. I am so glad that your son was born to you and your wife because you took this incredible journey and people should get this long ride home because it's, it's fantastic. So you went on a journey and found all those things and now you have the science to back it up. So congratulations. It's, it's been a wonderful, a wonderful journey. You, you've done a brilliant job. Thank you so much. Well, you're kind. Thank you for having me on. It's been an honor. Yeah, thanks for your amazing contributions. Thanks for being with us on Nurse Talk. For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com. Mm-hmm.